1: Welcome for another edition of the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. This week, we are taking a look at our top five albums of 1998. I'm Uncle Greg. Of course, we have the PhD of music, Brett Vargo, and we have Ooh, Ambassador hey. Bueno with us once again, as always, here What's on this podcast. Up? So 1998, weird year, wasn't it, for music, guys? Hell <sighs> oh, Yeah.
0: It wasn't my favorite year musically. Do you guys remember? I mean, the mainstream, at least from an American perspective, was so dang dire. I looked up the top album, and it was the Titanic soundtrack. Two top singles of the year were Celine Dion's putrid My Heart Will Go On (coughs) and Cher's Do You Believe Get rid of that. I know. I would would definitely get rid of it. But still, somehow, I came up with 82 contenders for my top five. 82? Yeah, 82. So there was plenty of music that I gravitated. I got 48, so. All right, well, that's pretty
1: good. Well, I just think it was a weird year because if you take a look at it, a lot of, you know, the Brit pop kind of was waning, alternative music Mm -hmm. was waning, it was becoming predictable, and then you had new metal coming in, so that's going to be, sleeping in on my list this week because Mm. i just remember there was Uh a lot of great stuff in uh, 1997 a lot of people i think you guys both said this when we announced this subject last week that this is going to be our bpr list this week was that um, there was a lot of great bands that came out in 97 so they took 98 off Mm. but there was i mean there was but there was definitely a void for alternative music and i think maybe that's when some alternative radio stations were kind of searching for identities and of course, big at the time, it, you had the boy bands were coming in also along with Cher and Celine Dion. You know, you had Backstreet Boys who started hitting it big, NSYNC, yeah. all that stuff was going around. So it kind of was, things oh, were a changing yeah. in 1998 for man, music. Man, giving World me Wars. PSTD, man. Yeah. Wow. Oh boy. Come on. Okay, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Sometimes I'm in my car and I need to be like happier and I'll put on NSYNC, just like one of the songs, because if I want like a dancey song, or sometimes um, like if you roll up your windows really tight, you could put on pink. <laughs> Come I'm coming out. so you better get this party started. Now, if you're near your car all alone, make sure your windows are up tight. Don't put it up too loud. Mm. Deep dark secrets no, from Uncle, Uncle Gray. Gray. I know Gosh, maybe you having the chauffeur on crank at that, that point. Do you believe? But yeah. you know what? In, in defensive share, first of all, that was like her like what fifth uh, decade of having yes. a hit on the chart, so that's kind of cool. And they, I remember hearing some interview with her talking about that. They said you're going to make a dance album. She's like, no, I'm not. They said, yes, you are, and uh, somebody was right because it was the right place, right time, and it was that was huge. And she hadn't been around. Really since I think eighty-eight when she was on that, you know, uh, battleship dancing around yeah, with this yep. fishnet stocking. So if you can get a hit every decade like she's done, she's due for another. But uh that's a that's amazing to me. That's longevity and that's people who really connect with you. So that's pretty cool.
0: I'm only jealous, that's all. Yeah, I think yeah. she's retired
1: though. Yeah, she's like seventy-three. I just saw I just saw something yeah. on social media that has had like twenty-nine and seventy-three, and you're all and you're thinking, God, the oh, candles yeah. have gotten really good. <laughs> I mean, you. She doesn't. She looks a little fish lip, but it's not like it used to be. So things are getting better. If you want to look younger nowadays,
2: it seems like.
3: Well, have you seen Barbara Eden lately? No. Welcome oh my gosh, she's us. like in her high 87, 88. Wow, just incredible for her age.
0: Hmm. It's
3: all that yep. clean living, California air. She can call you master. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh. uh, hey. I dream of genie humor in 2020. Like it's relevant. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'll jump in that bottle with her.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get this list started.
3: All right, let's get it going before we get to the gutter again here.
1: (laughs) Top five albums of 1998, and this week we're starting off with you, Brett. Yes, we are. Okay, well, my number
0: five pick is the third full-length album by Scotland's We Troop of Indie Poppers. It's a little Scottish to open it up. Bell and Sebastian and their album, The Boy with the Arab Strap. (laughs) After almost exclusively focusing on the amazing songwriting talents of Stuart Murdoch, Arab Strap presents Belle and Sebastian as more of a democratic collaborative, in fact not even including songwriting credits on the album itself. The great epiphany on this album is that they can all hold their own against Murdoch. Stevie Jackson, whose smarmy but warm vocals are sometimes the low points of Bell and Sebastian's albums, turns in the lovely and delicate Chick Factor and Seymour Stein, which details a brief dalliance with the major label head. And Isabel Campbell brings her hushed 60s chantous vocals to the lovely Is It Wicked Not to Care. Is it wicked
2: not to care?
0: This surely must have been a welcome reprieve to Murdoch, who had carried the weight for the band's first two classic albums at a remarkable string of three standalone EPs in 1997. But the placement of the other band members' songs throughout the record make them feel like interludes to the main event, which of course are Stuart Murdoch's songs, and this album contains some of his finest, Sleep the Clock Around, Dirty Dream No. 2, and the title track, which is capable of whipping any audience into a gospel music-styled fervor.
2: a long time. The odor of takes a long time to pass you by.
0: Like on Bell and Sebastian's previous work, Murdoch continues to paint portraits of shy, sad, tragic characters with remarkable consistency, but seemingly darker than before. The album opens with the lines, He had a stroke at the age of 24, it could have been a brilliant career. The sound is a bit more expansive on this outing, but is still undoubtedly rooted in Bell and Sebastian's touchstones, 60s folk rock, 80s twee pop with some northern soul thrown in. Bell and Sebastian fans, including me and my girlfriend, now wife, had this album on constant rotation at the time, and it was well received Uh, with nearly universal acclaim, with one notable exception. At the time, Pitchfork absolutely panned it, giving it less than one out of ten and calling it a parody of past Bell and Sebastian records. They have, of course, since re-reviewed the album and gave it a more appropriate eight and a half. Fun fact, the album title was in tribute to another Scottish band, who also happened to be on my larger 1988 list, Arab Strap. Arab Strap were friends and tourmates of the band, but weren't exactly thrilled at the mention, feeling it took some thunder away from them. And Murdoch apparently had no idea what an Arab Strap was at the time, nor did I. And if you don't, well, you're just going to have to look it up because we've got to keep this one kind of PG. So that's my number five, Bell Sebastian's The Boy with the Arab Strap.
3: I said don't call me Shirley Burdock.
0: Shirley Burdock? Yeah, you know Shirley Burdock. I, I wouldn't think of calling you Shirley
1: Burdock. All right, all right. I am one of the most perverted people that I know, and I don't know what an Arab strap is. So there's all these, I don't know, pictures bouncing around in my head right now. Did you write it down? I well, I'll just have to look on Google. Look it up. All right, I'm sure. I'm. We'll Go wait for you, All right. Well, I'm not going to do it right now. But my number five, kicking off my top five albums of 1998 list, is an often overlooked album by an often overlooked band. But if you crave honest and meaningful lyrics, Blue October's album "The Answer" is for you. Now, I don't. Please don't just listen to one song on this album and poo-poo it because the answer has a lot of great violin solos. It also touches on subjects of drug abuse, suicide, depression, psychotic behavior. Kind of sounds like my love life.
2: If, crawl you, like,
1: if you know Blue October from their songs, Calling You and Hate Me, there's a lot of great songs on this album, too. It's like there's one, Blue Sunshine, Sweet and Somber Pension Wings, uh, Darkest Side of Houston's Finest Day is a feel-good song that'll make you smile.
2: her ship arrived and came in yesterday, the darkest side of Houston's finest day, you fell asleep,
1: my love. It's not a well-known album by a real well-known band, but music lovers know Blue October. So that's why I know our only three-lad audience and everyone, you probably know this band. Uh, but give the album a shot. I think that you're going to really enjoy it. It's different. Again, listen to a few songs. The first song is called The Answer. You might skip over that one, but there's a lot of great music on this. Feel
2: your through the bed sheet I feel your pulse. Against the floor, asleep the sadness that no one else sleeps.
1: Give it a shot. Blue October, the answer, kicking off my top five albums of 1998 list. Pretty incredible record there. See, I knew you would know it. Oh, I, love I don't. It. You don't know Blue October? Oh, know Blue October. October. We got him on that. Oh, oh you're going to take enjoy another PhD away from him. No, that no, was... no. What we need to do is embrace him. And teach him where he went wrong. Yeah. Blue October really is a great band, <laughs> it is. and uh, it's a good record. yeah, Justin is the lead singer. He's really the face of the band. His brother's in the band. He's from Texas, I believe, Houston area. And but talk about a guy who puts it all on the line every single time, and is just an incredibly uh, incredible musician. Uh, after his shows, he's very approachable. He's like the guy if you were at the show and you drank a beer and you're like, ah, oh, I gotta take a leak and then you look over he'd be right right next to you. What's up man? That's creepy. You know, he's looking over people, at you. You know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> creepy. Let's see your <laughs> strap, you know whatever. I don't know but he's just he seems like a cool dude, you know, and so and a great band would we'll give that album a shot. <laughs> right. Bueno.
3: Bueno. All right, so I just got a couple shout outs here before I get to my number 5, hey Mark and Fred from uh, OJC and I got a little story in the summer of 1978, uh, you know, our buddy Jack Armstrong, well, he invited me to play in his charity softball game. And I played with some pretty cool people, the real Don Steele, Charlie Tuna, Machine Gun Kelly, you know, Gary Owens from the Laughing, And we played against DJs from other radio stations in Orange County. I remember I kicked some ass and I remember somebody asking, who brought the, the ringer? And all I can remember is hearing Jack go, that's my ringer. And I also need to mention brother Robert Varela, who is in my daily prayers, and we also play on the same baseball and basketball team, is at 12 and 13 years old. And he called my fastball the best he has ever seen. And I dedicate my number five to Bobby V. And uh, it's fastball all the pain money can buy. Released on March 10th, 1998, this hyper-melody-driven power-hop group formed in 1995 in austin texas weren't you just talking about texas uncle Greg? i was best known for its massive 1998 hit the way we all remember that song They couldn't play the heck out of that. Every two and a half. Originally, they called themselves Magneto USA, but changed their name after signing with Hollywood Records. 1998, that album uh, reached platinum sales within six months, stayed on the Billboard chart for over a year. In addition, the group had been nominated for two Grammys, Best Rock Performance, also uh, Best Long Form Music Video, and uh, they received five Austin Chronicle Awards, 1998's Album of the Year, Best Video, Best Single Band of the Year, and 1995's Best Pop Band. And the members of Fastball still had side jobs as late of January, 1998. Tony actually worked in the graveyard shift at the Bagel Factory. And uh, when he and uh, Sheffield and the other gentleman got on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and the late night show with Conan O'Brien just four months later, that album actually uh, sold over a million copies in six months. We know that song, The Way, that stayed on the Billboard chart at the top for seven weeks. That song actually was inspired after reading an article about Leela and Raymond Howard, this elderly couple who disappeared in Texas through Leela, had uh, Alzheimer's, and Raymond was recovering from brain surgery. The couple had been driving to a local festival, and uh, actually they were discovered two weeks later dead at the bottom of a ravine near Hot Springs, Arkansas totally hundreds of miles off their intended routes and Tony choose to imagine that they were reminiscing and decided to become surreal being on a permanent romantic trip and answers to the songs question where were they going without ever knowing the way pretty weird story third single came out on that album uh, out of my head also reached a top 10 love that song
1: my number five top five albums 1998 fastball all the pain money can buy before that album came out i uh, was on the list during the 90s where all the labels were sending me new cds and fastball they they were way more punk before that album came out in 1998 yeah they were
3: actually when they were doing when they were called
1: magneto usa yeah so maybe i got a lot of those songs they were called fastball when i got the cd and then uh, because i remember i was like god this band's great and then when Fastballs, that album came out with the song The Way, which I played every two and a half hours, it seems Mm -hmm. like, for months on end. Then it seemed like they kind of slowed them down and they were more accessible at the time. And so that's how they had that huge hit.
0: And then fast forward to about 2010 when I lived in Arizona in the Verado neighborhood and they played at our neighborhood gathering. Oh, there you you go. go. Awesome. We have fastball stories
1: all over the place. We get nothing but (laughs) star power at Verado. It's a nice place, though. All right, Brett, you're number four. Okay. Cool. All right. I'm going to do everything
0: in auto-tune. Do you believe? All right. My number four is an album that I consider to be possibly the last great Brit pop album of the 90s. Rialto's self-titled debut album. The story of Rialto is an unfortunate one. They seemingly dropped out of nowhere in 1997 in a hailstorm of critical praise who were touting the six piece band as the next big thing. Lead singer and songwriter Lewis Elliott and guitarist Johnny Bull had actually been toiling away on the British pop scene for most of the decade in little remembered London band Kinky Machine. Following a stream of great and modestly successful singles in late 97 and early 98, the band was dropped from major label Warner Imprint East West a mere month before the anticipated release of their album. That's going to be a huge drag. The record was picked up by indie label China Records and released to acclaim, if not total commercial success in July. Installed at number 21 on the UK charts, but it did hit number one in South Korea, so there's that at least. South Korea? I know! Wow. That's a feather in your cap.
2: I'll
0: take number one anywhere. I'm not even number one on my street. Probably no, even no. my house. I don't know. <laughs> But this album takes me to a certain place in time. I bought it at a Borders store in London shortly after it's released on my first day of my first visit to England. In fact, I still have, I'm looking at it right now, the sticker on the jewel case. I apparently paid £12.99 for it in the hotel that night. I put my headphones on, closed my eyes and let this album wash over me, basking in the excitement of being in the country that I had dreamed of my entire life. astounded by the quality of the songs each one was an impeccably crafted gem that sounded like a hit single in its own right stylish anthemic and epic mixing a flair for beatlesque melody like oasis the sweeping arrangements of suede the catchiness of blur and a dash of the sinister lyricism of pulp rialto's debut was the perfect latter-day brit pop masterpiece that really should not be missed my favorites on the album are untouchable lucky number and the very 2020 appropriate Quarantine, but every track is great. Well, this should have been one of the albums that proved that there was still petrol left in Britpop's tank, it was not to be. The album quickly faded into obscurity, and after an ill-conceived electronic-tinged follow-up in 2001, the band broke up. But even as I listened to this as I was collecting my thoughts on the album this morning, it still sounds as great today as it did that night in 1998. And that is my number four, Rialto's self-titled debut
3: album. That's an awesome pitch, Brett. Thank you. Dang. I love that album. It is a great album.
1: All wow. I can think is, what was the exchange rate at twelve Yeah, I was sitting there thinking like, what you paid for it. It probably would bucks. have been, it probably would have been seventeen, eighteen dollars
0: at the mm-hmm. time. I actually did look today; at it, it's like sixteen dollars now.
1: A little mm-hmm. bit less. So. My number four. Now, some people can't figure out why this nineteen ninety eight release doesn't feel like an album from Beck. But the album Mutations mm-hmm. won the Grammy Award for Best Alternative Album. Now, the album Mutations, if this dropped off a lot of people's radar because of course it was the follow-up to his previous album odalay which of course was huge smash hit again one of those where it's at devil's haircut new pollution all those songs all over the radio all over mtv uh but then again with mutations beck worked with producer nigel godrich who worked with radiohead so of course odalay was hip-hop inspired mutations used a lot of keyboards acoustic guitars and string arrangements a lot of people thought at the time that beck was jumping off a cliff running from odelay's success uh, the songs are much more serious and sullen uh, there's one song on there called nobody's fault but my own
2: who could ever be so cool blame the devil for the things you do
1: And then there's also Dead Memories, which is a perfect example of the seriousness and the uh, darker lyrics in this album. Uh, it's an album, again, you could have missed because it wasn't back at the time. I think a lot of people on the radio stations were looking for hits. And this was a little bit more of just subdued.
2: These the hands have dug for a dream. Sifted through sand and left away. Uh,
1: didn't get the airplay didn't get the attention at the time but it has become a fan favorite give it a chance it's sweet calm and relaxing and it's my number four of top albums of 1998. that was my number six what a great album yeah it really is it's my f- top 15. and
0: it's different that and sea change are my two favorite beck albums
2: you wouldn't know what to say to yourself love is a poverty you couldn't sell misery waits in big hotels
1: So, my take on it, would you uh, agree with it? Yeah, okay, absolutely. Well, I was just saying, because sure. I was like, I wonder what Brett would think when you were saying, you I get it right I off was of my head. Six. Oh, yeah. No, it was something because I remember when that album came out, you're like, all right, New Beck. And you're like, oh, New Beck. <sighs> you know, because everyone was like still like, "Odele, Odele, Odalay. That's like a mark of a great song. Again, we talk about our kids, and my son, whenever he hears, uh, you know, from 1994, you know, Beck. You know, that's when he started. Everyone's like, oh, his 15 minutes of fame, it's going to come and go. The guy is still around making music that matters. That is so rare. But that's what a great artist is, and that's bad. Yeah.
3: I love his last couple albums, actually. Oh, me too. I I think you should play Turn, Turn, Turn uh, to your son and see what he thinks.
1: Oh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, But my son now is all into that. We just got done talking about South Korea, but B-T-K or B-K-T. BTS? It sounds like a lot of BS to me, but it's like (laughs) the boy bands. And, the you know, Blackpink, I know, is one of the K-pop bands there. I don't know what they're singing, but it doesn't matter because if you have low uh, blood pressure, shoots right up. Again, again with that Arab strap. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. (laughs) All
3: right. Sorry. So is my number four? Yep. This record here, a lot of people probably have not heard but they've heard all the songs. It was released on March 21st, 1998, 70 minutes and 30 seconds of pure greatness for all the Durannies out there. Night Versions, The Essential Duran Duran. This is a compilation record, remixed, and I'm not talking remixed by put a little this, put a little that in there. No, man, these guys redid the whole thing. Uh, This is incredible. Anybody has not heard this, you need to find this. Listen to this thing. The night versions, this was intended for play in nightclubs. They did not extend the intro, the loop bridge of the song, and so on, like all the other dance tracks, 12 inch singles do. Please, please tell me, please, please tell me, please, please tell me now. now, now, now. Rather, they went in and they cut master tapes taped into remixes, into the studio, recorded longer versions of the songs, more instrumental breaks. The collection has been in the works for some time, but it was released by Capitol and EMI in April of 1998, about the same time that Duran Duran was dismissed from Capitol Records after an 18-year history. Incredible piece of work here. Um, It was only commercially available for six months from the time it released, so if you can find it now, It's going to be probably pretty spendy. So uh, here's the track listings. Planet Earth, Girls on Film, My Own Way, Hungry Like a Wolf, Rio, New Religion, Hold Back the Rain, Is There Something I Should Know, Union of the Snake, The Reflex, Wild Boys, New Moon on Monday. That's my number four top five albums, 1998. Duran Duran, Duran Duran, Night versions, the essential Duran Duran. That
1: is a great album, great songs.
0: I don't have Night versions, so is it
3: re-recorded in part or they? Oh yeah, they redid almost the whole thing. Oh. It's it's it is fun. Hmm. I have a copy of it and uh, I've listened to it time and time again, and it's amazing. I will have to seek that out. Wow, we got two of them on I, it. Today, look at great. that. What the hell? Teaching the teacher. Must be your lucky day. Buy a Powerball ticket, lottery <laughs> ticket or something. <laughs> Do you believe? <buy> <laughs> hey,
1: if you have a smart speaker, all you got to say, Google. Or you can say whatever you want to say, but just get those smart, uh, smart speakers (laughs) and you can find the only three lads podcast on all the platforms where we do all podcasts. Make sure and tell your friends and stick around because we're going to come back with our list of the top five albums of 1998 after this.
0: Do not ask Alexa what an Arab strap is, though. Oh, gosh, no.
1: No, wait a second. That's exactly what you're (laughs) you're buckled up for a nonstop classic alternative thrill ride. Only Three Lads. Join
0: the fun with the O3L community at Facebook.com slash Only Three Lads. Some of you were able to shake that image of Uncle Greg long enough to give us your top five list of non-album singles from episode 26. Steve Hoffman forum member Danny Dyer gave us his list. The Jam, Strange Town, The Police, Fallout, XTC, Dear God, Elvis Costello, Watching the Detectives, and The Clash, Bank Robber. We won't disagree with any of those, Danny. And now back to the show.
1: Welcome back. Thank you for joining us this week on the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. This week, we are discussing our top five albums of 1998 and, of course, last week we had a little contest, didn't we, Brett? It was How a lot was- of fun. Thanks for letting us poke fun at your expense. Oh, not a, yeah. Oh gosh, we could do it as much as we want. I, I really have no shame. <laughs> and I think I just proved that uh, when we were in the break. We're going to announce the winner of an O3L t-shirt
0: for the best caption for the Uncle Greg 1988 picture. And if you guys don't know what we're talking about, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash only 3 lads. Look at the picture from episode 26. You will forever be scarred. You may be (laughs) scarred, but you will forever be grateful to us for the present that we have given you. Porn star. You know, just to verbally describe it, 18-year-old Greg, as most 18-year-olds do, you know, a couple buttons down in his cool white shirt, laying down Burt Reynolds playgirl style, fully clothed, Mm -hmm. though, with a good-looking mullet. So we had quite a few... Captions come in through our various platforms. The winner of the O3L t-shirt is Tony Alvarado, who came up with the great and very simple caption, file under sleazy listening. Bam! (laughs) Tony Alvarado, you win an O3L t-shirt. We will be in touch with you shortly. Congratulations, Tony. Awesome.
3: Thanks, everybody, for playing.
1: We got to do more of that. Captions are fun. Yep.
3: We needed to have a tennis racket in your hand and Wimbledon somewhere in the background.
1: <laughs> well, we could. Well, we do have those uh, software things. You could well, I'm can't even think of the word. How Photoshop. You, Photoshop. Thank you. Yes. See, little. Yeah, little th- that photo- could be done. I'm yeah.
3: quite handy with Photoshop. Oh, he's lost in words.
0: We're showing yeah. him so much love right there. Oh my god. I know because I just kept thinking. Anyone for tennis?
1: Or, or the <laughs> other thing I thought of was the look, the feel. Cotton, yeah.
0: the fabric of our life.
1: Yeah, because that hair is kind of Andre Agassi, uh, 1980s era. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's yeah. definitely yeah. the hair. It's beautiful.
3: Mm-hmm. Steffi Groff.
1: Brooke Shields. That was the 80s version for him.
3: All right. Boy, I saw a picture of Brooke Shields last week. Oh, my gosh. She has, hasn't lost it either. She is beautiful. Well, well. Uh uh-huh.
0: I guess we got to get back to the show, huh? Yeah, yeah.
3: How about okay. number three? We got a show. All are right. you in a show
0: here today? or what We are, we are yes. All
3: right, well, let's get back to it then.
0: Coming in at number three for me this week is an album that may be my favorite of the bunch for reasons that will be apparent to O3L regular listeners. I moved it down a couple places because I'm not real sure how alternative, quote unquote, it is because I'm sometimes a bad judge of these things. I can tell you, though. That it's a heck of a lot better alternative to dross like my heart will stupid go on sorry celine dion fans i'm sure you're all very french canadian the album is painted from memory by elvis costello and burt backrack released in september
2: 1998. all through the night you telephoned i saw the light
0: The a few years prior, a pairing of the master of the sophisticated pop melody and the best, if most acerbic, lyricist of the new wave era may have seemed outlandish to many, but underneath the angry young exterior, Elvis was always a pop classicist at heart, not only covering backrack, but making multiple musical and stylistic nods to the Backrack David songbook throughout his career. After an incredibly successful collaboration on the powerful 1996 song God Give Me Strength for the film Grace of My Heart, the pair set out to flesh out another 11 songs for this project. Musically it has all the hallmarks of a classic backrack record. The piano, the strings, the staccato horn charts. You could picture Dionne Warwick singing on top of any of these tracks. Elvis is full of his typical wordplay and literate twists and turns, but he's more earnest here than he ever has been in his career, wringing every last word of pain and emotion out of the lyrics. Together, Backrack and Costello create a vital song cycle full of love and longing that proved that the great American songbook or great British songbook or whatever it is, was still alive and well in 1998. These are songs that deserve to be cherished and interpreted by the world's greatest singers, except Celine Dion, were Elvis not such a singular
2: lyricist? I, I, because I, still have girl
0: I still have that other girl painted for memory. The sweetest punch. This house is empty now. This is a sublime batch of tunes, listeners. Even the numbers that didn't really strike a chord with the 24-year-old me at the time, like the ultra-adult contemporary and smooth, jazzy-sounding "Such Unlikely Lovers," and the Long Division, have endeared themselves to me over the years. I was fortunate enough to see Elvis and Bert together on this tour, and what a pleasure it was to hear this album brought to life. Of all of the records outside of Elvis's classic 1977 to 1986 era, "Painted for Memory" is the one that resonates the most with me. You Near, far, wherever you are. Check out Painted for Memory for some adult pop that doesn't make you want to gouge your eyes out. Ouch.
1: Interesting. <laughs> no gouging allowed. <laughs> Uncle Grey. Well, talk about a contrast. Going from that to my number three album of 1998 is from a band whose name morphed into the lead singer's identity, just like Alice Cooper before him. In fact, the artist is a combination of shock rock Alice Cooper And David Bowie's androgynous side, aka Ziggy Stardust. He was every parent's nightmare in 1998. Public Enemy number one at the time, Marilyn Manson. Mechanical Animals was a great album. It has glam rock, industrial rock, electronic styles. It was the band's third album, and it was a follow-up to Antichrist Superstar, which put that band and guy on the map. Uh, the songs on this album, The Dope Show, Rock Is Dead, I Don't Like the Drugs, But the Drugs Like Me, and uh, you know, at the time, this was what was crazy, is that this album, Mechanical Animals, knocked Lauren Hill's album, remember her from the Fuji F- Fugees, yeah. I should Mis- say? Miseducation.
0: That's, That's a the great album.
1: album. Yep, great album. That was that number one. List. Yeah, Marilyn Manson knocked it off the album chart for number one. We're all
2: stars now in the dope show. We're all stars now in the dope show. Lots of so pretty, pretty uh,
1: I have seen Marilyn Manson once at the beginning in 1994. He opened up for. Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails, he had just signed to Reznor's new label called Nothing Records. And then a few summers ago, he opened up for Slipknot, and I went and saw him there. And I know a lot of people write off Marilyn Manson as some drug addict, idiot. He's not. He's an artist, and his art is just his life. I don't
2: like the jokes, but the drugs like me. I don't like the jokes, the, drugs, the drugs.
1: and if you really start peeling back the layers of his artistry everything he does has another meaning and that's why I really enjoy this album and I really enjoy Marilyn Manson as an artist so I definitely if you haven't heard Mechanical Animals in a long time give it a ride. Or ever.
0: Great record awesome. Never heard it. Are you in a mine shaft Bueno? Uh oh
3: When are you coming out and playing basketball? I'll be out in a half hour hang in there Got to
0: do a show. Sorry, guys. That's all right. Does the gorilla play basketball?
3: (laughs) Yeah, he does. Oh, that's a talented gorilla. Yeah. He tried to sneak, (laughs) little sucker. Sneak out. (laughs) Well,
1: what's your number three, Bueno? All right, so my
3: number three is a California band that hit Pater in the 1990s with a slew of often humorous punk pop singles, and it's Americana by (laughs) Offspring.
2: The
3: fifth studio album. Released on November 17, 1998 by Columbia Records following a worldwide tour in support of Ixnay on the Ombre, this album was a major success. It started off at number 6 in the U.S. Billboard 200, selling over 175,000 copies in its first week. I wonder if Walmart and Target decided not to sell that one too. I remember we talked about that about Nerd huh? 10 million copies worldwide spawned a pretty fly for a white guy why don't you get a job and the kids are aren't right uh, this was a incredible record uh, they were actually at the woodstock 1999 festival americana contains themes of unhappy american lifestyles if you listen to this record you'll be blown away by some of the stuff he says the songs on americana Aren't condemnations, they are short stories about the state of things that we're see going around us, and this was back in nineteen ninety-eight. We want to expose the darker side of our culture. It may look like an episode of happy days out there in America, but hell, it feels like Twin Peaks. detailed the americana was not thought right away as a concept album this really cool social statement though once the band recorded a few songs complaining about 1998 america that's when we realized we had the theme this actually peaked number two on the billboard 200 actually the highest position the band attained at the time it was gold certified and later platinum uh, my favorite actually is uh, she's got issues and
2: i'm seeing this girl.
3: BuzzFeed included the album number 15 on their top 36 punk pop albums you need to hear before you F and die list. That's uh, subtle. Pretty, a little bit subtle there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sold over 11 million copies worldwide, and that's my number three top five albums of 1998, Offspring Americana. I'm nice. wondering if there's going to be a crossover, Uncle Greg.
2: We'll see. Well,
3: I had Smash.
2: I
0: didn't explore anything further. Other than what was on the radio, I love Smash too. That's three. This is
1: Brett Weird. Uh, what's happening? Brett hasn't heard these albums and hasn't heard the songs. I know. Songs, but I Brett know.
0: Total Brett Weird. But it's We're just a, a double Brett Weird.
1: Yeah, but it's just a one eighty Brett Weird this week.
0: Well, my number two album, 1998, is one of the most revered and influential indie rock albums of all time. The second and heretofore last album by Neutral Milk Hotel in the airplane over the sea. When you were young, you were the king of carrot
2: flowers. And how you built a tower tumbling through the trees in holy rattlesnakes that fell all around your
0: feet. One of the most exciting developments in alternative music in the 90s was the Elephant Six Collective, started by a group of high school chums obsessed with Smile-era Beach Boys who just wanted to play on each other's lo-fi pocket symphonies and ended up creating a whole musical aesthetic named in its honor. These bands included Apples in Stereo, Olivia Tremor Control, Elf Power, Of Montreal, The Minders, which was another band in contention for my 98 list, and Jeff Magnum's project Neutral Milk Hotel. In the airplane over the sea is the crowning jewel in the Elephant Six catalog. It's a tough album to peg, and that's what makes it so brilliant. It's lo-fi and distorted, yet it's ornate, including unconventional instrumentation like Illion Pipes, Singing Saw, Euphonium, and Zanzitophone. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but- I think you did. It's kind of a cool instrument. The lyrics are surreal in The King of Carrot Flowers and Two-Headed Boy, influenced by the life of Anne Frank in Holland 1945 and Ghost, and full of wistful nostalgia and fantastical childlike wonder in
2: others. What a beautiful face I found in this place that is circling all around the sun. What a beautiful dream that could flash on the screen in a blink of an
3: The
0: songs collide into one another. Tempos and time signatures shift and move from acoustic strums to fuzzy explosions to Balkan folk to waltz time. You get the picture. It all coalesces into a hazy dream of an album at its best moments, such as the title track and a couple of the aforementioned tracks. These are songs that will haunt your memory for many years to come. This is an album that has steadily grown in stature since its February 1998 release, and its immense influence can be heard in bands like The Shins, Beirut, Arcade Fire, The Decembrists and many other 21st century indie stalwarts. best-selling book in the popular 33 and a third series is the one devoted to this album. The album continues to be one of the top-selling vinyl records every year, quietly inching closer to gold status. Remember, this was an album that never even hit the Billboard Top 200 chart. It features on many critical best of lists, and with so many accolades, I can't really do it justice in a couple minutes, so do me a favor and just listen to this one. Of course, it's actually been a little polarizing to hipsters who actually claim that the album is overrated. Well, you know what I think is overrated? Hipsters. Amen. So there you go. My number two album, Neutral Milk Hotel, in the aeroplane over
1: the sea. I second that
2: one. Yeah.
1: See, there's one that I've never heard of that I'm not a hipster. There you go. Check it uh, out. I'm going to. Well, this is another one, kind of a, a more of a metal band, but the number two on my list of top albums of 1998 is from a band that released their album in the age of new metal, but they stood out from their peers. Just as things were getting really predictable in the music industry, four Armenian Americans from Glendale, California, rewrote the rule book with the help of producer of Rick Rubin, who of course has worked with Run DMC, the Cult, Eminem. If you don't know who Rick Rubin is, well, you've heard his music, I guarantee it. The self titled oh, yeah. System of a Down album came out in 1998. I can Don't remember this song. Sugar! I knew it. Pew, pew, pew. Sugar! Uh, started spinning on my my radio station 106.3 The Edge. I love the song, but I thought the song was too core because the saying in alternative radio at the time was, if you play to the core you lose the masses. But I was wrong because after a few weeks you couldn't escape sugar. That song was all over everything. The song became a radio favorite and it was a favorite on MTV. The
2: piercing radiant moon The storm The life
1: running through her head. And this is what's so crazy about this album and this band is that the band opened for Slayer and Metallica and also toured with Incubus to support this album. Uh, this one right here, of course, uh, System of a Down self-titled album. It set the foundation for what would come next with Toxicity and then they became huge, huge after this. The band got back together in like a 2010. They do shows here and there. But they have not really put out any new music since
2: 2005.
1: The the and there's still a huge band that would pack a stadium today. So System of a Down, their self-titled album number two this week on my top five albums of 1990.
3: That's got to be another one you haven't listened
1: to, Brett. I have not. Wow. I- heard a System of a Down song once. Yep. But you've heard the song Sugar, right? I'm not yep. sure that I have.
2: Oh, you gotta go listen to the song. <laughs> like when it first yeah. came out, it was different from
1: everything, and then sugar,
0: meow, meow. You have to remember, my 1998 experience consisted of like, Bell and Sebastian and Burt Bacharach. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: I wasn't listening to a lot of System of a
0: Down.
1: <laughs> that was after your first divorce, or your only divorce, really, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was.
1: You were in like a closet. Burt Bacharach rocks,
2: man. My life. <laughs> I still
3: believe Burt Bacharach rocks.
1: He, he does. does
2: rock. He does.
3: Yes. All right, bueno. Continuing with the weirdness, uh, my number two uh celebrity
2: skin. Oh, yeah. oh, make me over. I'm all.
3: Courtney Love's unit lifted itself out of a gargantuan shadow with a death defying songwriting and ever morphing modern rock underpinning. This is their third studio album released September 8th, 1998 on Geffen Records, and the last album before the band dissolved in 2002. Hole intended for this record to totally diverse significantly from their previous noise and grunge and fluent sound as featured on Pretty on the Inside and Live Through This. I mean, this record is amazing when I first heard this. I mean, I love Courtney Love. Literally, I do. Billy Corrigan actually helped her write some musical arrangements on five songs, as well as uh, Go-Go's guitarist, Charlotte Caffey. She just keeps being creative on this record, top to bottom. It was their most successful record album, Uh, reached number nine on the Billboard 200 sold over 1.4 million copies in the united states alone it was named the 265th greatest album of all time and also in that book called uh, the 1001 albums you must hear before you die and uh, they tried to actually change their sound kind of like uh, la california type tradition like bands like the doors the beach boys the birds but they were struggling so the and they felt like they were in a rut so after sending some of the early recordings over to billy corrigan he joined the band and hung out for about 12 days, and love compared Corrigan's presence in the studio to a math teacher who wouldn't give you all the answer, but but was making you solve the problems yourself, and stated that he had her study key changes as well as melodies and phrases from songs by the Beatles and Frank Sinatra. So that's kind of cool. And uh, different types of guitars were used, effects pedals, equipment. But the one thing that caught my eye was the Ampeg amp and the, the Randall Commander. That belonged to Love's late husband, Kurt Cobain, was used on this record, and three awesome singles, Celebrity Skin, Malibu, and the awful, which is not awful. Record is amazing. Thanks for the masterpiece, Courtney Love. We love you. And that's my number two for top five albums, 1998. Whole oh, Celebrity Skin. That broke my streak. You heard that uh, one? Yes, I have that one. Oh, awesome.
1: Thank you. I was going to say uh, Charlotte Caffrey, though. That's an amazing artist, too. Go-Go's. Huh. And you saw how busy she was throughout the late 80s and early 90s with all of the music that she helped create. And this is just Mm -hmm. another one of those albums. So she's awesome too. I I, I think that Celebrity Skin is that one song that Courtney loves that she wished that she never wrote because she's known for that one guitar riff more than anything with her whole catalog. But what a great song, Billy Corgan helping with that song. And of course, I didn't know it was 12 days. I do know they became very involved with each other after that. Only Three Lads Podcast, thank you for being here. Don't forget, every week we do this it comes out on Tuesday mornings so get to Facebook make sure and like our page hit notifications so that you know when a new episode comes out and stick around because we will be giving you our number one albums of 1998 after this now I got to see what an Arab strap is because I'm like oh
3: no he's not going to make it through the whole show he needs to look check
1: it out <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: that's not that weird the fact that you looked at it and you said oh that's not that weird <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm telling. <laughs> that says a lot, Greg. <laughs> You're like File under sleazy yeah. listening. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> if your idea of a hot day to sweet talking Surrey in the bathtub, no
0: thanks. I'll pass, pervert.
1: You need a serious classic alternative infusion. Only three lads.
0: Elvis Costello announced the release of his 31st album, Hey Clockface, due out October 30th. The 14-track album was recorded earlier this year in Helsinki, Paris, and New York. The first three teasers from the album are available on the usual streaming platforms. UltraVox celebrates the 40th anniversary of their pivotal and defining Vienna album with a 5-CD, 1-DVD, super-deluxe box set, which includes the original album remastered, new stereo and 5.1 mixes by prog musician Steven Wilson, B-sides, rehearsals, and a live set. Finally, need some more Bob Mould in your life? How about an 8 LP or 24 CD box set called Distortion that will cover Mold's post-Husker Du solo career with and without sugar. If this sounds up your alley, it will be available
1: in October. Welcome back to the Only Three Lads podcast where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. And we really just want to say thank you for helping us build this community it's been a lot of fun. We're at episode 27, yes. so six months plus one. And it's really been a lot of fun. And, of course, we see... You make it sound like we're going everywhere. somewhere. We're going up is where we're going. Oh, okay, Where's I just want to make going. sure. Yeah. The just, top of most of the pop of most Johnny. Yes.
3: Are we getting up there to the top of there? Yes. Top of well, the charts?
1: You know, it's building every week, and a lot of cool yeah. people. It's just, it doesn't matter who you are, what you believe. It's just, we throw a party, everyone's invited. And yep. hopefully, if you love the music that we love that's our connection and we just love the music it's yeah. always
0: a party in the back
1: always, always always but we're at our number one this week for the top albums of 1998 and so far the list it's really been kind of a curveballs a lot of different music a lot of stuff that brett hasn't heard of yet and that's what's shocking me the most this week
3: weird okay. yeah. yeah and
0: fastballs and, and fastballs. fastballs it's weird all right. Well, give us your number one, Brett. All right. Well, yeah. Speaking of curveballs. So my number one is the Titanic movie soundtrack because Celine oh, Dion and her, you. you know, near, far really touches me in places that only an Arab strap normally would.
3: <laughs> is that like Yoko Ono? That's my Yoko this episode.
0: is <laughs> Celine Dion, okay. the enchantress of French Canada. No, it it is actually not. I know you guys find that hard to believe.
3: Oh, come on. I was
0: ready. I was ready to take notes. My real number one is the stunning fourth album by a band hailing from upstate New York Deserter Songs by Mercury Rev. Largely breaking from the noisy space rock of their previous albums, the best way I can describe much of Deserter Songs is the flaming lips trapped in a Disney movie. And yes... It is as beautiful, haunting and eerie as that description may suggest. The Flaming Lips reference is actually warranted as rev guitarist and principal singer songwriter Jonathan Donahue spent some time in the lips. And bassist Dave Fridman has produced most of the Flaming Lips albums since the late 80s. The album is expansive and cinematic. In fact, more befitting of the description cinematic than most because the album was actually recorded on 35 millimeter magnetic film, which is pretty cool. The arrangements on this album are gorgeous, featuring a cast of horns, strings, vintage keyboards, female vocalists, and probably the most defining sonic feature of the album, the musical Saw, which again gives that ethereal quality of frolicking in a magical cartoon forest full of talking animals while a villain waits in the lurch. There may or may not have been drugs involved in the making of this album but the album emanated from a period of darkness.
2: Well, she tossed all night like a raging sea Woke up and climbed from a suicide machine
0: After 1995's critically lauded but commercially unsuccessful See You on the Other Side, guitarist Grasshopper checked himself into a monastery. Jonathan Donahue suffered two nervous breakdowns and landed in a deep depression. Donahue coped with his mental issues by retreating to some of his favorite records of his childhood, which informed the sound of this record. Donahue and Grasshopper fled to the Catskill Mountains to ride and record this album of songs about escape and searching for the light at the end of the proverbial tunnel. Their surroundings in the Catskills also lent a slight Americana feel to some of the tracks, and local residents Garth Hudson and Levon Helm from the band even contribute to a track each. It's a weird but strikingly beautiful album that unfolds and rewards with repeated listenings. Not surprisingly, it did not do well with the U.S. record buying public who was buying System of a Down, but was rapturously received in the UK and made them pop stars for a short time. I got
2: us on a highway, I got us in a car, got us going faster than we've ever gone before. And I know-
0: The album went to number 27 in the UK and spawned three top 40 singles and landed at the top of many critics' best of lists for 1998. And guess what? It occupies the same spot for me this week. My number one album of 1998, Deserter Songs by Mercury Rev. I have not heard that one. That's a cool album. Yeah, I'll have to check, check it, it out. out. Never even heard of it. If you did like the Flaming Lips, like the Soft Bulletin, which came out the year after it shares a lot of sonic similarities, but it's just a gorgeous album. Yeah, I love Flaming Lips actually.
1: Uncle Greg, number one. What you get? My number one album uh, I have come to appreciate more over time as I got older. So my number one album of 1998 is Goo Goo Dolls' Dizzy Up The Girl. Now, the last time I saw the band in concert was almost two years ago, September 2018. I think it's the last time they went on tour. Uh, let me just tell you, this band is great. I've been a huge fan of them ever since Superstar Car Wash in the early '90s. I think I told the story of how I got Johnny Resnick back into the uh, in, into a venue. He went to walk people out in the Wall of Meat, you know, bouncers wouldn't let him back in cuz he didn't have his lanyard on and I was working at the will call window and I said, "Hey, he's got to get in there. That's the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls. They're going on stage right now." And then for whatever reason the wall of meat let him in. He's like, "Thanks, dude."
2: Could you whisper in my ear? The things you want to feel. give you Do you wake up on your own? I wonder where you are. You live your
1: and uh <laughs> but when dizzy up the girl first came out you know i thought wimpy 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 because being an earlier fan where they had more rock influences more punk influences i had to get over my sadness that my band would change or that my band would change their sound and everyone goes through this every band has gone through this but you know artists grow and they become different people as time goes on like we all do so i had to get over that but of course working in alternative radio when this album came out there was just huge songs. You couldn't escape the Goo Goo Dolls. They were on every radio station, every TV station. You know, it was like, talk about overexposure. This is what happened to this band at the time, but Iris, Slide, Black Balloon, Broadway, Dizzy, all these songs were just great on this album, Dizzy Up The Girl, and it's really the band's most successful album, selling four million alone in the US. But if you get the chance, enjoy the Goo Goo Dolls. They're gonna be back on tour. They usually play mid-level theaters, and it's just, the show's amazing, That they're an amazing band, and I just always love that album, and as I get older, I love it even more, so give it another
2: listen. That That's
1: my number one this week. It's a great one. All
3: right. I knew you were going to pick it. I was going to let yeah, you have really?
2: it. Oh, yeah, I wow. did.
1: Oh yeah. There was a few in there and then like you know like like uh, celebrity skin from Home just missed my list. So there was a yeah. lot of them that I guess we almost had the crossover but
3: Yep. Well, we're not gonna. No. We're not gonna. We're not gonna cuz my number gonna. 1 is a chart-topping rockers from the 90s who blended slick, shimmering electronic pop. With Shirley Manson's beautiful voice, "Garbage." I knew this one. Yeah, you know it. I love this album. May eleventh, nineteen ninety-eight. Boy, when I heard that, that changed my life. With "Garbage," man. Mushroom Records worldwide, North American release. I mean, I mean, the first album was great. They thought about reinventing their sound, but they said, screw it, we're going to go with the same thing. And it was a tongue-in-cheek 2.0 take on how computers were heavily involved. That's why they named it version 2.0 in the album's production, with Manson adding that if you cone in the studio at any given moment, someone would come up and find all four of us in front of the computer screen. I mean, it was pretty crazy the way they used computers for this record. The band wanted there to be echoes of music like they did in their records. That means not just like Bjork and Porter's Head, Radiohead, but the Beatles, Beach Boys, Frank Sinatra. I mean, the the album was uh, overall more diverse. It goes to all extremes. It was a commercial success, topping the charts in the UK, France, New Zealand, earning platinum certifications in other countries, 1.7 million copies in the United States. embarked on an 18-month long world tour, releasing a string of commercially successful singles with those innovative music videos, which are amazing. And my favorite on that is probably Special. That's a pretty yeah. awesome song. This is a great song. For some
0: reason, that song always just reminds me of Chrissy Hine.
3: Oh, for sure. it sound, I mean, it really is very, very close. They used a 48-track digital system direct to hard drives utilizing a 24-bit Pro Tools rig. While one recorder was up in the early sessions, eventually another one was installed to edit, and ultimately a third so Manson could record vocals while the other members were fiddling with their recordings. I mean, they probably had five albums worth of music, up to 120 audio tracks, and then after uh, the digital file was ready, mixing was done, in the analog tape deck, It only held 14 songs, so that kind of sucked. But uh, six singles, Push It. I'll take that back, the incredible Push It. I Think I'm Paranoid. Special, of course, my favorite. When I Grow Up, the trick is to keep breathing. You look so fine. Hit number one, like I said, in France, New Zealand, Scotland, the UK. And as of March, they're working on a new record, which is due this year, but of course uh, with COVID-19 probably won't but rumor has it they might tour in 2021 love shirley manson love garbage and they hit my number one on this week's top five albums of 1998 garbage version
0: 2.0 and you knew it i knew it would be there somewhere yeah. for you
1: i knew it'd oh. be on the list i knew it too I so just we had to have one. garbage on this list somewhere absolutely I, there's
0: plenty of garbage on this list <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I remember um, with Garbage, wait. when they first came out, though, Butch Vig was the name behind that band, of course, the producer yep. of Nevermind Nirvana. So when that came out, I mean, everything was Butch Vig, but then Shirley Manson, you know, got the whole band is just amazing. And I remember a lot of knockoff bands that came after Garbage, but really Garbage is stood out and is still, I can't wait to hear their new music. It's no, me be too. Great. It's I can't great. wait. I can't wait to hear it. All right, Brett, let's run down our list. So you go first. Number five, Bell and Sebastian, the
0: boy with the Arab strap. Number four, Rialto, self-titled. Number three, Elvis Costello and Burt Bacharach, painted from memory. Number two, Neutral Milk Hotel, in the aeroplane over the
1: sea. And number one, Mercury Rev, deserter Song. In my top five albums of 1998, at number five, Blue October, The Answers, at number four, Beck and Mutations, at number three, Marilyn Manson with Mechanical Animals, number two, the self-titled System of a Down, and my number one album of 1998, Goo Goo Dolls, Dizzy Up the Girl.
3: My number five fastball, all the pain money can buy. Number four, night versions, the essential Duran Duran. Number three, offspring Americana. Number two, whole celebrity skin, and number one, garbage version 2.0. Oh, top five albums,
1: 1998. I got some also mentions. You guys have some? I have one, and this one's kind of weird. Um, but the Donnas, remember them? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they were. Yeah. Now their first album came out in 1998. Was it one of the top five? No. But that band I've been listening to recently—they did not get the respect that they should have gotten, and I believe it's because they were young girls or young women at the time. But they got a lot of great songs, and the musicianship, yeah, especially of Allison Robertson—I believe is her name—the guitarist—wow, she's that amazing. Chick shreds. Yeah, I yeah, mean, she's, she's awesome. Yeah. So, there would be one that I don't know if it would make the list. I don't even know if they were alternative, but that was sure. an album from 98. I had the albums by uh, Sloan, Pulp, Black Box Recorder.
0: I had Beck Mutations. And then uh, rounding out my top 10 was Bobby Kahn and the very weird album Rise Up.
3: I had uh, REM, Lenny Kravitz, Semisonic, and E6, which was probably like my sixth. I love that record.
1: Yeah. Eve Six. That's a fun band. I got to party yeah. with them once. Who haven't you partied with, though? Remember when VH1 had the one hit wonders of the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. You would have hate to watch that with me. Oh, one time, and oh, uh, <laughs> one time at band camp, we were and that, you know, it's just, or I always have some story that always drives people crazy. Watch where you stick that flute. Exactly. Hey, Arab <laughs> strap coming in handy. Um, all that, but it's, but that's where it was in the 90s. And so there's a lot of uh, stories that I have, just a lot of weird
2: things that happen.
0: So
1: hit that right, randomizer. Randomize. Let's do let's
2: it. Ra- let's randomize.
3: <laughs> so let's
0: rev that randomizer up. All right. It's being revved. It's being mercury revved. Oh, we're so full of puns today. Oh, my gosh.
1: (laughs) All right. How about the top five songs of 1981? Oh, perfect. Great. Top five songs of 1981. Yes. Beautiful. Oh, and by the way, the Donna song I want you to check out this week. This is your homework from the Only Three Lads podcast. The Donna's Fall Behind Me. Oh, yeah. yeah that song. Oh, song, yeah. What a great Heck song. Yeah. I never, I was too stupid, whatever it was, but I'm going, wow, that was really a great band that I think never really got their fair shot.
0: But it's probably very sexist of me to think of the Donna's as like, you know, the 90s, 2000s version of the Runaways.
1: Well, they kind of were. I mean, they even did a Runaways uh, cover. Um, yeah. But I think that also they're very smart women. I know that after the band dissolved, I want to say in 2011, um, they come from that Palo Alto area. So I know that yeah. two of them, maybe even three of them, have since gone on and attended Stanford. Now, they won't even let me park cars at Stanford. <laughs> and I don't know how I got on this, but I had to set up for the Donnas because I probably Oh, that's all right. Back in We love the Donnas yeah. here at O3L. Go to the Only Three Lads Facebook page. You can leave your list starting now, and we'll talk about it next week. You guys got anything else? Yeah, well, thanks for listening to version
0: 27.0 of Only Three Lads. And one last thing, do you believe?
3: In love, in love? Bueno. Oh wow. <laughs> All I say is thanks for listening. And be bueno.
2: The
0: theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening.
1: <laughs> I'm just thinking I'd <laughs> wear one of those to work just for the hell of it. What the hell? <laughs> got nothing to do today here wait a second oh i feel sick well hey at least i'm
3: getting
2: six feet away from you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football